The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Howdy, howdy. So uh, this is a, it's been a busy week for tech news. We'll talk a little about that in a bit. And just as a little preview, E3 is coming up this coming weekend as we talk about this. And uh, we'll be talking about that Next time, Father Andrew's on because he definitely wanted to be here for that. So, uh, But this time I wanted to talk about an important issue. And I think a, a listener brought this up to our attention. But an important issue that has to do with the use of technology and a little bit of memento mori, which is the Catholic concept of always remember your death. Like in the sense of not be morbid, but know that you're going to die. And so be prepared for your eventual fate. Be Prepare yourself for meeting your maker for standing it before the judgment seat of God someday. And there's a, there's a little bit of a technology element to that, not in the preparing yourself to meet God, but preparing yourself to die. And the, I'm jumping around it. The point is, is we have to prepare our digital goods for our heirs, our family, so that when we die, the, we can, they aren't left holding the bag and trying to figure out how what to do and how to deal with all of our digital stuff uh, that we've got sequestered away. And the important things and ephemeral things, you know, it's not just your Twitter account, but like your bank account <laughs> and, and other things like that. Th these are all digital these days. And we have to be aware of the fact that other people are going to have to, you know, deal with this, whether it's a spouse or children or or what have you. So, Pat, I wanted to talk about this uh, because you work a lot with older folks, and I'm sure that you've had to deal with helping people prepare their di digital life, their technology, in a way that they that their heirs, their family, could deal with it afterward. Yes, and I've has also had to deal with a lot of clients who had to pick up after the person has gone, mm -hmm. and now they're the oh now well, how do I take care of this stuff? So, and 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 I've also had to help uh, a group here in town called Age of Austin do some seminars on this for mm -hmm. uh, groups of of seniors. Yeah, and that's a great thing. If you ever get a chance, like we're going to go over some stuff, but we've only got so much time. If you get a chance to go to a seminar and sit down and ask questions and, you know, write things down, definitely do that. But uh, we'll we'll try to cover some of the basics and give you plenty of links to help you get started for, uh, here. And we'll have those in the show notes. Uh, but let's jump right in. I, I think the first, there's a number of steps to take when you're thinking about this, when you're preparing. And one of the things you could, you should do is to make an assessment. What do I have that's that I need to make sure other people can get in access? All your accounts, and you got to really think of everything. Uh, and it helps if you're, as we always suggest, if you're using a password manager, because every place you've got a password is a thing that you've got to hand on to somebody at some point. Uh, so it, if you're using a password manager. They all, I think all nowadays, let you collaborate and share passwords with people, have a shared vault, you know, right off the bat, even before you die, that you're already sharing important passwords with the people in your, with an important person in your life, a spouse or a trusted child or, you know, an adult child or, or something along those lines. So that you even, you know, so that you don't even have to worry that they have access to that. They already have that. So there's that. So uh, one password, last pass, others all allow that right off the bat. Um, but there are other accounts, the other things to, to be aware of. Pat, what are some of the ones that people should think about? Well, uh, a lot of times people have uh, come to me and in social media has come up as one of the big things. You know, what happens if somebody dies and their Facebook account is up there? Do you leave it there? Do you memorialize it? Do you take it down? And there's a lot of different philosophies on that. Same thing with uh, some of the Twitter and stuff like that. But Facebook and uh 
email systems like all of your Google stuff. If you're a Google user, you've got Google Docs, you've got Google uh, uh, Mail, Sheets you've got mail, all contacts, that calendar, right? Yeah. All of that stuff. Uh, and then Yahoo has their own little system, and Microsoft has their own little system. All of these, there's ways that you can save save the data out. You can, uh, in some cases. Uh, make a legacy account of them, but social media and email seem to be the, the and and the third category is photos. Uh, it, it, for a Mac user, that's pretty easy. It's it's iCloud, but for Usually, so yeah. so many other people, it's Shutterfly, SmugMug, some of the other systems. Google that, Google Photos, right? Yeah, uh, all of those things. They need to figure out. You know, are there important family photos that they need to to be thinking about how to get it to somebody? So those yeah, are the I things get, that I've been experiencing. I got some ideas for some of those, but let's go, let's go back to the the social media one because that's a good question. What are, what should be done with my social media accounts after I'm gone? And again, this is one of those things where you can, like make it when you're making a will. What, what are my wishes? What do I what do I want to happen? You may say, look, you know what? When I'm gone, trash all of my social media. I don't want that to live on. <laughs> I don't want anybody to see any of that. There's nothing important there. Move along now. <laughs> Delete it all. Yeah. <laughs> or you could, the other option, like I know Facebook has the uh, memorialization option where they basically freeze it. Your account gets frozen. There's a notice on it that says this person's passed on and that the account, I, I forget, there are certain restrictions. People can't post to your wall and, and, or, and comment or that sort of things. Right, but, but they can go in and review things, and, and it's, it's up there in memory of, and, uh, and it, it depends upon what your relationship to the person who's deceased. Anyone who's got proof of death can memorialize an account they can't add, change, delete, or whatever. If they're a family member, or pardon me, if if you have in Facebook declared somebody to be your legacy person, then that person has the right to either memorialize it, add notices, uh, or take it down, just depending upon. The worst case is, is, you know, if you wish, oh, trash it all, and there's no way anybody can go in and get rid of it, then it's hanging around forever in the in the bit world. Uh, so you do want to make sure that you, that, that, that your wishes are able to be handled by the person. Right. So it's worthwhile thinking about what you want to happen to these various accounts. And what we also talked about in some of our, our my sessions with other people is not everybody in your family is going to know how to do this with you or for you. So in like not necessarily in the will itself, but in a paper in the in the folder with your will, you know, you would put your master passwords to LastPass or whatever. You would put the code to your phone. You would put the uh, who is my digital asset who's my my trustee of all of this stuff and right. my digital not, executor in a sense right in a sense it's not an official term but this is who i think can handle it yeah i i was thinking yeah one of the things i've done is i've put my my uh codes to unlock my phone my my computers my ipad those are all in one password where my wife can see them and that th they're there already because if I get hit by a, a car tomorrow, I want her to be able to get into all those things. Correct. Um, yeah. And as I say, you don't want to put it in the will because then you've got problems of modifying the will constantly. So you just want to attach it and put it in the same folder that your your will is. Right. So you have to prepare for your own death, but you also have to prepare, you know, you might have to prepare for your parents to pass on. Make sure that they're prepared, that they've thought about it. And you may be the tech savvy one. And your parents aren't. And uh, I'm in the case where my mom is not tech savvy. And we've had to little by little. She didn't have a lot of digital assets, but we've had to little by little figure out, you know, an iPhone isn't working for her anymore. We need to get her a simpler phone. And we've had to move things. OK, so what do we do with all the data on the phone? And we basically just decided, you know, in consultation with her, there's nothing there that she really wants. Uh, so we're, we put it we, we we've kept the email account active because that way that's history. all her friends. Yeah. Well, history, but also her friends that she's like who are all over the place now. Uh, you know, we can contact them if we need to and that sort of thing. But it's the sort of thing you want to talk to your parents about. What do you have? What do you what what sorts of things do you you know, have you thought about it? Are you prepared? So that is that. Um, and 
how are you, is that information when, when necessary, it doesn't need to be now, you don't have to give me all your passwords now, but if the time comes, how will I get that information? You know, where is that information? How will I access it? Who's, who knows where it is? That sort of stuff. And, and frankly, this is, this is all, I mean, this is the sort of thing we've been doing for, for generations, which is where is your will? How do we find it? How do I know what to, what to do with it? You know, who's got it? Who's that your sort lawyer? Of thing. <laughs> exactly. Who's exactly. your financial and, manager? And yeah. frankly, if you're, if you've got an estate planning lawyer, this is the sort of stuff that they should be helping you with and maybe including in your other estate planning. I do want to say, if you have a non-techie survivor, pretend, you know, heir or executor along those lines, you should identify someone that they can go to who will help them. So if you have a spouse who is, who doesn't, who is not techie at all or, you know, something along those lines, who will they go to and find that person, ask that person or, you know, identify a company that will do it. And frankly, I think this is like a, a pretty good consulting business in, in one sense, because this is only going to become more and more important over the years. But uh, who will they go to and make sure that they know how to get in touch with them and that that person is going to be able to help them, uh, especially in a time of grieving? And that's this is the that's an important element of this is in the midst of grieving, you don't want to have the frustrations of having to figure this all out. Uh, so the thing I was going to mention was... Uh, Apple had its WWDC event this week, and one of the things they announced was an addition to iCloud, the iCloud service, iCloud Plus, called Digital Legacy, where finally you'll be able to, a survivor, a surviving family member or, de or other designee can now get access to the accounts of a person who has died, their iCloud account and all the stuff that's in it which has been a big problem. Yeah, they've, there have been stories of sobbing parents going to Apple saying, my child is dead and I have their phone. It has all of their messages and all of their stuff on it. And I want to save it. Please get into the phone for me. And Apple says, I can't. <laughs> we don't have access to the password. We don't have that. Uh, you, you don't want to put your survivors in that situation. Now, Apple can't, this digital legacy is, as far as I've been able to find out, we still, you know, a little short on details. I don't think it will get you into the phones, into the devices, per se, but it will give you access to the accounts. So you'll get access to iCloud and I, the iCloud photo library and mail and all those other things. So uh, that stuff should be accessible, uh, but but not uh, but I'm not sure it's the devices yet. And we don't know whether it would be something you could take a, a an empty phone and restore from iCloud backup, for instance. Right. We don't. Yeah, we don't have any of those details yet, but it it's good to know that these companies are thinking about it because it is a problem and it's a, something they have to deal with. And, and we, we are getting to the point of passing generations of tech savvy people and we need to figure this problem out. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that um, speaking of iCloud, I talked to Apple today because I had a question about this. If the owner of the family sharing iCloud, iCloud family sharing account dies what happens because the family is sharing all the apps and movies and and books and all the other content based on that family sharing account holder apple told me the the apple rep that i talked to told me that the the best thing to do the only thing you really do is keep that account alive and active and keep control of it and keep that that account stays as the owner uh, so you don't don't delete it. Don't shut it down. If you do, all of the content purchased through that account goes away. So the, this is a problem we've talked about before, which is when you when you're, quote unquote, buying movies out of Apple TV or that sort of thing, you're not a buying a movie. It's not like the DVD you bought at the at the Blockbuster years ago that you could hand to your kids. It goes away. You know, if you lose the access to that account. So um it may become a thing where the where iCloud accounts get passed down <laughs> through the generations. <laughs> <laughs> this is Grandpa's iCloud account that I'm watching this movie on. Uh, in any case, <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the steps, though. Okay, so the first step was assess what you have. What digital assets do you have? Get everything, everything. You know, really, you know, go through your phone, your computer, your web browser, your pa password manager. Find every account. And, and think about it. Make a list. Make sure you've got everything. Um, 
And important, don't forget the things that you're just keeping in your head, the passwords. There are certain passwords that people don't put in the in their password manager because it's just a simple throwaway password. Um, I have a few of those. Make sure you've recorded those as well. And security questions, because even though you know who your first boss was, your wife may not. <laughs> right, right. And as I've said before, I don't answer those with the actual data. I, don't, I wouldn't put my actual boss's first name. I use random words. And so I record all that stuff in my password manager. Correct. But so, I, I had so, to help yeah. my, my, my sister-in-law when my brother died. And that was one of the questions I asked was, you know, the security questions of who was your first boss? You know, what was your first date? All those things. Even if they were fake answers, there's no way she would have known what to answer. Exactly. Especially if they were fake answers. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. So get all that stuff recorded. And um, also two-factor authentication is also an issue. Make sure that they have access to the two-factor authentication uh, codes that the generators, the apps that are generating the codes. And your phone, uh, some, which, which often is used as a second factor. Right. Right. Uh, although if you have used one password and it's internal second uh, two-factor authentication generator and you have access to that, you know, you're sharing access to that, you have it there. I did see something that uh, wasn't announced at the uh, keynote the other day, but Apple is apparently introducing a two-factor authentication to the operating system, like native to the system in the iOS system. So that that's excellent. Well, and Apple, in that same article that I, or at least an article that was about the same thing that you, you mentioned, they also mentioned uh, something like Microsoft is starting to do is you use your device as your second factor. So you don't use your, I mean, you you don't have to have a password at all. They're doing, going away from passwords to having the two-factor authentication, and it may be your Mac, it may be your your uh, authenticator program, or it could be your phone. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like with uh, both Adobe and Microsoft now, uh, when you're logging in, it asks you to open the app on your phone, and then so you open it up, and then it says approve. Actually, one of my Google one of my banks that does that. Yeah, Google does yeah, that and, too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It does that. You can open the Gmail app or the Google app. Uh, Capital One does that now for their uh, their apps. Um, so yeah, it's really good. I, I I like that because now we don't have to do the deal with the codes. It's a Uses the phone itself, but as that a does second mean factor. that your your air has to have your device with those apps loaded. Right, it becomes even more important. And frankly, if you die in a horrible accident, you know, sad to say, but if you die in a horrible accident, your, your phone may you. not be available. Right, right. right. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, so determine who will inherit, and don't just say okay, my spouse, or don't just say one person. There's a lot. A determine hierarchy. a line of succession. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A uh, I mean, it sounds silly to say line of succession as if you're royalty, but what if you're what if your spouse is in the car with you, <laughs> you know, or and and your kid, your oldest kid, you know, it's like you have to think through this who, you know, this person, this person, then this person. Um, it just makes sense to do that and to be prepared for all of those people. Um, how will you prepare the data to be handed over? Well, are you going to do it digitally? Have it as a digital archive, an analog way what's what's the mechanism of transfer who will give this to them where is it stored uh, that sort of thing now when i talk about analog versus digital i want to mention something that i found really nice and it's this website by this dr eric dewey and it's called the big book of everything and let me just open it up here i've got a link to it um it's on his website ericdewey.com slash big and he keeps updating it and what it is is it's a it is a Massive PDF. Uh, it's also a Word doc, and he's got it in various formats that you print out and fill out, and it has everything. It has tax information, it has insurance information. It talks. It has like every piece of important data about you. Um, online courses you're subscribed to, the location of important medical documents. I mean, this is a uh, like l literally big book of everything. <laughs> It's even an a, a Excel spreadsheet. Um, the the PDF is, uh, was that one point? That's 11 megabytes, the PDF. The the Excel doc is 604 uh, kilobytes. So it's not, it's not a huge download. And I, it's, it, to fill this thing out is going to take you a while. But once you do, you'll have everything there. And it is really good. Travel information, 
safes and storage, uh, including um, your if you have a safe deposit box, uh, information about your property taxes and how to pay estimated tax payments and your data backup plans, which is another important thing to keep in mind, where your data backups kept. That's something you should let someone know. All your bank accounts, your various account, you know, utility account numbers, electric. Like, think about it. All the things that you do in your life, if someone else had to pick up your job, quote unquote, what would they need to know? And frankly, they, you know, for most everybody, there's a lot of things that you're handling that someone else would need to know. And instead of making someone paw through papers, which a lot of us don't keep anymore, I don't have a file cabinet full of old bills. Yeah, this is this is a way to do it. And so you could do this electronically. You keep this big book of everything electronically, or you could print it out, put it in a binder and put it in some safe place. Uh, it probably preferably either a safe deposit box or a fireproof safe. Either of those would be a, a good idea. Um, Except it has to be readily available to your heirs. And my lawyers have said, you don't really want to put those things in the safety deposit box because they can't be gotten to. Right. That's true. That's true. You want to keep it easy. in a filing yeah. cabinet somewhere where all your family knows where it is. Right. And maybe That's a fireproof safe. But but the idea, no, safety hmm. deposit box is not a good place. Uh, there's and there's sensitive information in it, so you like you do there, there, there would it, be, yeah. Yeah. so you'd probably want to put it in some place, yeah, protected. Um, I, you might even make a copy of this, put it on a thumb drive, and put it in your safe deposit right. box or something along those it, lines. Sure. Yeah, or put it, give it to your lawyer or something along those lines. That might be something worthwhile. Although I, I have a, a little um, caveat to that as well. Uh, Something to just keep in mind with that when in a second. Well, or a family uh, member that lives across town. You could say, you know, once every six months I update this USB drive and, and now you've got it. Well, that's a that's actually a really good point I want to make is this is not a static thing. Passwords change. The services you use change. You, you change doctors or, you know, th things change. You need to once you've created this, you then need to commit to updating it regularly every six months. A year at the most, but you want to keep this thing up to date. And frankly, if you get sick or sicker, frailer, older, maybe update it more often. I don't know, but or at least review it uh, just to make sure all the information is current. At least it's a good starting point, even if you haven't gotten the last password in there. At least it's got things like what accounts you have and those types of things. So, yeah, that's exactly. a good start. Right. Exactly. Um, there are services that ping you occasionally there's sort of a dead man switches that the, they say like google has a, a an inactive account manager where it sends me an email every six months and saying he's still alive uh, and if i don't respond it will automatically send an email to my wife and inform her that this is how you get access to his google accounts um and again, with Google, you can have multiple people so like i've got a couple of the kids that that uh right. that are in there Yes. Uh, with business type stuff, I'm not really concentrating on business, but businesses need to be aware of this, too. Um, the, you should never have just one administrator of any account, not your Facebook page, not your Twitter account, not your Google domain, you know, domains for business. I forget what they keep changing the name of it. Uh, nothing should be under one single person who only one person has access to it. You should always make sure you have multiple people. That's just something I was thinking about. Um, one thing you could do, back up your family photos. So I've got all my photos in iCloud, but you know what? I could back those up, download them onto thumb drives and distribute them to my kids. You know, if I had adult kids, I would do that. Now that doesn't, you know, the, the photos keep changing and being added to over time, but they would have that. They uh, have I that think, base. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's actually, as my kids get older and kids get to 18 years old, maybe that's one of the things I do when they turn 18 is I give them, okay, here is the family photo album, quote unquote, all the photos of us from the time you were kids to today, you know, here it is. And at least you'll have this. I mean, that's one of the things I'm glad of that my parents gave uh, the family photos to one of my siblings and they, they're there. Now I don't necessarily have them all uh, because they're, they're physical photos, but, well, at least with digital ones, I could give copies of the library of all of the individual photos to all the kids. So that's actually a good thing. Um, and then something else to keep in mind is update the format of, di of your digital media. So, for example, if you've got stuff on floppy drives, 
uh, God help you, because I'm not sure there's a, there are many floppy disk drives that you can connect to a modern computer today. Those are hard to come by. But, you know, those should have been transferred to a CD. And then every once in a while, maybe, you know, cloud CDs storage. go bad. Yeah, move it into cloud storage. Keep track of where in cloud storage it is. Um, if you've got it in Evernote, then maybe you need to think about making sure it's also somewhere else and exported, those sorts of things. Yeah, you export it out of Evernote into, into PDF format or something, yeah. Right. But you've got to update your formats as they as as the older, like especially physical media technology becomes obsolete. You've got to make sure you're updating. And in fact, try to save important information in widely used open formats that are likely to be accessible for decades to come. Text, CSV files, which is a kind of text file, PDF. Those are all safe formats, JPEG, PNG, safe formats that should be usable for decades to come. Uh, so, uh, you know, that that's something else to keep in mind. Uh, anything else, Pat, on the, on this that uh, I may have missed? Uh, I think that sounds like a good wide brush on everything. And then, as you say, you're going to put some links in the show notes. Uh, and I'll, I have some links from from the classes that I help teach, and I'll see if I okay. can gather those and get those in the show notes, too. Awesome. Yeah, here's a, some of the notes will be uh, digital estate planning, how to transfer your digital accounts from one password. So it's it's a bit one password focused, uh, but it's good, good advice. Uh, there's a thread from the uh, Mac Power Users Forum called Digital Journaling, Digital Upkeep and the Afterlife. Lots of advice from people what they're doing to prepare. So that there's some good advice in there. There's uh, Wall Street Journal's uh, tech columnist, Joanna Stern, had a good one article, What to Do Before You Die, a Tech Checklist. Uh, there's a uh, another article from One Password called Get to Know Your Emergency Kit. I didn't mention that, but there is a page you can print out for your One Password account that has a QR code and where you, a place to write your password. And anyone can use that to get into your account, including you, if you lose access to your account. So it's a it's an emergency password kit. So uh, something to keep, and maybe something to keep, put someplace safe where people don't have access to it. Uh, I'll have a link to the Big Book of Everything, the a, a page from the governments, the FEMA, Ready.gov on financial preparedness, which includes some of this, and then uh, some software in the App Store, uh, in the Mac App Store. And this probably similar for Windows, but this is one I've looked at. It's pretty good called Home Inventory. It, that's also another uh, disaster proofing, make an inventory of all the things in your home and put it in the cloud so that if you need to, <laughs> you have a listing if a tornado or flood or other disaster comes around and takes your stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that about does it for my links. Yeah. All right. So if you've got questions on this topic, we love to hear from you. Send them in. You can send it to uh, technology at sqpn.com. We'd love to field your questions and try to answer them the best we can. Before we get to our headlines, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Dave, Randy W., Mary Kay, Camden O, Richard, and Richard M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And I want to put a plug in for one of our new shows on the StarQuest network called Let's Science from Carolyn, Lindsay, and Lino, our, our Australian friends from the Catholics of Oz. They've started doing a little podcast called Let's Science, where Carolyn, who's a science geek, tackles a interesting science topic in every other every other week. It's a biweekly show, or as they say, fortnightly. And uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great little show, 15, 20 minutes or so, where they talk a lot about space and uh, biological sciences, earth sciences, all kinds of stuff. There was one on the fact that uh, 5,200 tons of extraterrestrial dust fall on the earth every year. 5,200 tons of extraterrestrial dust. It's just amazing to me. Uh, and then uh, there's an episode coming up on tardigrades in space. Ooh. It's just, Ooh. it's a lot of fun. You'll like it. Your kids will like it. And I love their energy. They they have such great energy. And of course, their accents are just fantastic too. So check it out. It's called Let's Science. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. All right, our headlines for the week. I want to talk about, uh, as I mentioned, that Apple had its big event. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, we talked a lot about Apple stuff. We'd give a whole half an episode a couple weeks ago to their hardware announcements. 
But Pat, is there anything that stood out to you from Apple's event that you thought sounded really awesome, you're really excited about? Well, you mentioned the one was the legacy contacts. Uh, the other thing that I thought sounded really exciting was that you could do FaceTime and create a link and your PC users and your Android users could join you in a FaceTime without having to have an iOS device or a macOS yes. device. That really sounded exciting. Zoom killer. Yeah. <laughs> they hope. <laughs> and uh, the camera, the fact that uh, the, the camera app will be able to pick up the text in a picture and actually scrape oh, it. Oh, yeah. That sounded fun yes. to me. Yeah. Evernote's been doing that for ages, and I love the idea of being able to search and it looking for, the, for text that it sees and understanding it in context. That's the other thing is that they, it can get the context of what, not just what the words are, but the context of where the words are found. Yeah, that looked cool. Uh, also, uh, now, uh, Tile had this where you could say, you know, if if I get separated from my device, ping me. Well, evidently, they're adding that to some of the uh, location services in, in the Apple world, too, that if you if all of a sudden a device no longer is with close to you, that you can find that out in a notification. AirTags, you can do that with AirTags, I think. But now they're going to they're going to spread that to other like the other devices like your phone. Well, and which, they've even you know. said that there may be ways you could find your device, even if it's been erased or if it's been turned off. Now, some of that may be last location, but, you know, with the newer equipment, they've got chips in there that, that could probably do that type of location, even if they're turned off or stolen. Yep, that's nice. Uh, so the things I liked, uh, iPadOS had some great improvements, including widgets uh, anywhere on the screen. Thank you, Apple. This was an obvious thing that should have been there last year when we introduced widgets. I'm not sure why it took you a year to put them instead of, you know, just on the left side, widgets. It's a huge screen. Put them everywhere. Uh, so I love that. I like the improvements to multitasking. I like multitasking. I'm using it this very moment, but it's the controls have been obtuse and hard, you know, hard to figure out. They've made the controls. Looks like they look a lot better. Uh, this the new focus mode that lets you you know, uh, turn off selectively or smartly, sorry, t turn off some notifications. And uh, when people message you when you're in focus mode, they get a message back saying, I'm sorry. It's a sort of like do not disturb while driving. Uh, do not disturb. I'm working <laughs> sort of me messages. I I'm looking forward to using those when I'm recording podcasts, you know, people messaging me, then messaging me and then messaging me and I'm not responding because I'm on a podcast. And uh, so there's that. And then, um, and then the new some new privacy focused features, uh, which are very interesting. So I'm I'm looking forward to 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 those those uh, features. So, uh, but there were, I was disappointed. There was no hardware announced. My my new iMac was not announced yet. So we'll I'll have to keep. And waiting. one weird thing too is is I noticed that the new the, the new operating system there are some features that are only reserved for the M1 chips that the, well Intel's will not get them. Yes, they're going to require the neural engine. It's they're pretty uh, intensive, and the Intel chips just don't have the uh, the the machine language chip that the M ones do in order to do some of those functions. So it, it it's yet more incentive to yeah, upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> I did like the continuity feature too, which uh, I think will Sherlock one of my previous picks of the week where. You, you've got your mouse or trackpad and your keyboard and you just move your mouse from the edge of the screen and it goes right to your iPad. Yeah, it's I, not, that's cool. It, yeah, it's, it's not sidecar. It's, it's, and you can and literally drag and drop from one computer to another. It's, it's really what AirDrop should have been. Wow. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Hopefully it works the way it did on the, in the demo. Uh, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, all right. So let's talk with some of our other uh, headlines. And here's one that was, kind of interesting in britain especially uh, although this covers the whole world they have this this uh feature this this uh how do i put it it's a website called what three words what the number three words and what it has what this site does is it's divided the world into three by three meter squares so three three meters by three meter squares the entire planet and each square gets an address and the address is three words, three random words put together. And so if the idea is, as long as you have those three words, you can find any pinpointed location. Three meters is a very small area. 
pin, it's, it's smaller than most rooms. So and you could uh, find any three meter spot in the world if you have those three words. And in fact, 85% of British uh, emergency services will accept those as a location. You know, uh, what is the number? It's not 911 over there. It's, um, it's, uh, it's at one, it's at 111. Or I think uh, I, I, I've watched enough British cop shows that I should know this, but I, <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. They have a different, but they, they would say the equivalent of 911, where are you located? And you would give them the three words and they could send an ambulance or police or uh, firefighters or whatever to that location or, you know, helicopter if you're stranded on a mountain. But they're finding that they're having problems with this because the they're having uh, pronunciation problems. They're mm. misunderstanding. There are homonyms. There are, uh, you know, uh, or, or people are saying the words wrong or misreading the words off the screen in the middle of their emergency. Uh, and so maybe it's it's an interest to me. It's interesting because it sounds like what a great idea. But yet the unintended consequences the that why it why it will actually fail in many in many or some cases so uh, i don't know what do you think of that ah the, the saying the words out of order or yes with an accent that all of a sudden now you you're you're trying to find somebody in the middle of the north atlantic ocean where it really was in the south of surrey <laughs> right 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 yeah there was a one which is they, they, they i'm i'm at jump legend warblers and it turns out that's in vietnam not where they are you know they they got the words out of order or something like that uh yeah it's um it, it it's tricky and uh, so it's a good idea but it, how like how do we improve that like do we because you're if the problem is human error and human communication and the possibility of misunderstanding and i'm not sure we can eliminate that entirely. Well, and even if you said, well, all right, let's go back to the old longitude latitude thing. And, you know, if people had access to a GPS function, they could do that. But still saying it. Uh, dyslexia. Yeah. So many more number uh, oh, long yeah. numbers. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If that's the problem. I mean, it really. I mean, ideally, if phone like we have here with emergency 911 services. Your phone, if you call 911, your phone can transmit its GPS coordinates to the the 911 system. But if it does, it's not as accurate as three meter by three meter. That's the that's the trouble. Yeah. And especially if you've got a vertical element to where you are, uh, you're in an apartment building. The GPS won't help you except to get you to the first floor. Right. Right. So uh, it's it's a it's an interesting attempted solution. Hopefully they'll figure work out the bugs may, or find something better. But I like that. I like the thinking. I like the way people are thinking. Yeah. Our next headline, though, uh, this <laughs> this is a problem that we've all foreseen and we should have seen coming. Uh, it, it, it turns out that in Libya, an at- autonomous drone, an armed autonomous drone. Think of this. This is killer robot, basically uh, attacked its own allies, its soldiers all on its own. It's allied soldiers all on its own. Uh, Libyan forces were hunted down and remotely engaged by an autonomous drone. Not so friendly fire. (laughs) (sighs) Have we not seen Terminator? (laughs) So uh, apparently there's a private company that uh, manufactures. It wasn't the U.S. government or the Soviet Soviet Union, Russia or China that sold them. It's a private company, a third party company that's making these. Yes, right. <laughs> and uh, the Avengers, and uh, they sold they sold it to the to Libya, and uh, they the drone is it, the the company's blaming user operator error, you know that sort of thing. The, fatal error. The, the, yeah, fatal error. Uh, it crashed. Um, but it's all part of this UN report because the UN is trying to get a ban on autonomous weapon systems, and I think. I I have to agree. I do not like the idea of taking the human out of the loop. If I mean, there are cases when when the, we have to regrettably take a human life in defense of life, but there should always be a human in that loop, in the decision loop. Yeah, you know that you can't you can't turn that over to a computer. Yeah, no more war games, please. I <laughs> know. Do you want to play a game? Uh, yeah. That the idea of you know any type of computer that acts on its own based on data it requires i mean that this is a what was there was a video a few years ago sort of a um what was it it was a uh 
proposal, not a proposal. It was, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the word, but someone put together this video of these slaughter bots that were, you know, they imagined a world where a terrorist group with enough resources created these small autonomous drones that uh, had explosives built into them and that they sent into a city and thousands of them and they and they were programmed to hunt down human beings and explode. And it was this horrific idea that that someone could do this. And it's this is a problem that we have to figure out how to make sure it doesn't happen and why, you know, that AI and machine learning and all that sort of stuff. We have to keep a close eye on how it's being used and make sure it's not used against us. Well, and even the the problems with the autonomous cars, there's that question comes up. What happens when there's a question of possibly plowing into a, a group of people versus a plowing into something else? You know, it's like there there's no human interaction there. There's, even though it's safer 99% of the time. What about that that one time? Right. The the uh, trolley problem, you know, the the philosophical problem. You got uh one person to the left, four people to the right, and the one to the left is a child and four uh, you know adults on the right. What do you do? Well, a human being makes a decision in that moment and the human being lives with it and based on the morality and their and, you know whatever. There's there's reasons. But what do you program a computer to do? Someone has to has to aforehand say when you encounter this situation, this is what you do. And there's a there's a whole philosophical and moral and ethical uh, m- uh, morass yeah. <laughs> that we're going to enter into when we need to make start making those decisions. And yeah, that's maybe the maybe the car should crash if it encounters right. the no win situation. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's something else. <laughs> yeah, yes, with the people in it, unfortunately. So. Uh, the, the the autonomous vehicles, autonomous weapons, those are a problem. Uh, so our next headline is about uh, this is a very twenty twenty one problem. Employees are quitting their jobs instead of giving up working from home. Now some employees, and this is we've been seeing more of this. Some companies have said to all their employees, you know, you can work from home for the rest of twenty twenty one. You don't have to come back to work until twenty twenty two. Uh, I think Facebook and Twitter famously said you don't have to come back to the office at all. You can work. You can work from home forever. Uh, They're rethinking that sometimes. Yeah, and Apple has has said no. We want people back on on campus in in the fall. Uh, Our corporate culture is about collaboration in person, and so and this not just tech. It's all companies are facing this these questions. All organizations, Uh, and people are saying, well, I. I I've gotten used to working from home or working remotely, or I've moved away to like out of the city to some remote location, and I can't come back to the office anymore unless I move back. Um, so it's it's an interesting that the pandemic has done a lot of things, and one of the things it's done is has really opened the door to people realizing technology gives me the ability to to live and work and have my life in a way that isn't tied to location and i think it's very interesting i mean i know i'm biased in this i i work from home and i've always wanted to work from home and tried to work from home in in many of my jobs uh because it keeps me close to my family and i I don't spend hours a day in a car or on a train you know wasting time neither working nor at home um and uh so I, i like the fact that technology has given me the ability to remote work um, so, um, it's an interesting question. I've I've long advocated that uh, businesses should be thinking about this. Should should you know stop being so centrally thinking so centrally. So many interactions don't require us to be in person. We found that out you know by being forced to find it out. Uh, there was an article in the Boston Globe today. I was reading it was my local paper, and they were talking about they did a survey and something like uh, a third to. Half of all respondents said they would prefer to work from home between two and four days a week. That uh, most people wanted to be, spend at least a little time in the office, uh, but uh, but most but many people most people wanted to work from home, prim- you know, at least part or primarily. So interesting. So I, I'm curious. Yeah, you know, there's some jobs you can't. You have to. Yeah. You can't. You gotta. You gotta go to the the garage and you gotta 
fix engines. You know, you got to drive the truck. You, you know, you got to there's not all jobs are office jobs, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, it's, it's an interesting dilemma, interesting conundrum. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think uh, that that does it for our headlines this week. Uh, there are some other stories that we're working on that uh, tech stuff that happened this week, is I'm sure you know. But uh, I, I, I'm holding those till next week. I want to wait. for. I, I try to wait till we've got the whole story or at least as much of it as we can. Before we talk about it, uh, like the um, there's the the ransomware, the FBI clawing back some of the ransomware for the pipeline. They got that back somehow. More information is still coming on that. Um, this story about the FBI setting up, it's, uh, secretly selling secure messaging systems to criminal organizations that they <laughs> built and put back doors in. Uh, that's a great one. I, I'm, 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 we'll talk about that next week as well. This is some other headlines that we'll we'll talk about. Uh, but for now, let's uh, let's talk about our picks of the week. Pat, it's just you and me, so why don't you go ahead? What's your pick of the week? Well, I help a lot of people with their computers, both Macs and PCs, as you know. And one of the problems that comes up a lot is, oh, I'm running out of space, or how come I'm, my disk is full, or uh, I'm getting a new computer, and how much of this terabyte drive can I get by with a smaller drive, and what is in them? Uh, so for the PC... There's a real simple text-based free program called Tree Size, and uh, we'll put links in the show notes for it. But basically, you just say Tree Size, and you can either tell it to go from where you are, or you can say just go the whole drive, and you run it in administrative mode so it can see as far down into the depths of the system as it can. And then it will show you what what folders and how much space each folder is taking up. and they're, is a uh, another one that does it more graphically. This just gives you kind of a listing. It's a very text-based. But there's another one called Winderstat that gives you more of a visual, okay, here's this clump, and all of that clump are pictures, or here's another clump, and those are all under temporary cache files or stuff you've deleted and ne never released. Uh and then on the Mac, there's there's a couple of different ones, but the one that I have liked the best is the Disk Inventory X, um, and that does a very graphical interface again of of where your stuff is, so that you don't spend hours deleting text files or emails when when really if you just went to that folder where there were movies waiting to be burned to disk, you got a whole bunch of space back. Excellent. Yeah, those are some good picks. So I got three things I want to say. I got one pick and two other things I want to sort of update. I picked before, I picked Eero as a home wi mesh Wi-Fi system. Amazon Prime Day is in June and early Prime has started. If you are a Prime Amazon Prime member, they have some really good discounts, like 35% discounts on Eero systems and individual beacons if you need to get an individual beacon to add to your system. So check those out, Eero.com slash Prime Day. So uh, just mention that. Also, uh, I discovered something new about one of my previous picks. There's a system called NextDNS, and what it does is it 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 uh, the the simple explanation is it acts like a VPN, virtual private network. But what it does is it it filters your DNS, the domain name system, the domain so it filters domain names that are associated with trackers and ad networks and other stuff, and filters that out from your computer. OK, so that it's it's sort of an ad blocker at a deeper level, but it also blocks trackers and other stuff that's leaking information about you out to the net, you know, from apps or other things running on your computer or when you go to websites that or open email. I discovered there's they have an app for your iOS devices or an, or Android devices. And I discovered quite by accident that if you have it active on your phone, it will block in-app ads from from apps so like just the other day my wife and i were both using this uh program that makes a cartoon in your face and it has in-app purchases and you can buy it to get rid of the ads and i wasn't seeing the ads and she kept getting frustrated because every few seconds it would pop up a new ad in her face and she'd like ah i'm just trying to use the app and it, because i had next dns running and she didn't and i didn't even know that it was blocking the ads it was so uh so uh um transparent about about it uh, for me so it's an added benefit now of course it doesn't give you the 
features that you would be purchasing, the extra features, those, you know, those still remain locked until you buy the app, but at least it blocks the ads and makes it less annoying. They're less in your face. So there, so there is that. Yeah. Words with friends would be a lot friendlier without all those every, every turn ads that seem to go on for 45 seconds or two minutes. Yes. Until you, until it finally shows you the X yeah. to, to close it. And they keep moving the X. Yes, they do. <laughs> so this would, this would block that. So that 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 uh, that would that's uh, something I just want to mention. I don't know if it works on every app, but it certainly works on the apps that I've seen so far. My pick, however, is an app for the Mac called CleanShot, and it's very simply a screenshot app, and uh, it's it's a, works better than the built-in screenshot uh, feature that that is in Macs uh, that that uh, is built into the Mac OS operating system, and it has some extra features. Which include so you can you can snap a, a whole screenshot. You can snap a partial where you drag a marquee over something and it gets that. You can you can snap just a window or a menu. So you and you can also set up a delay so that it captures a menu selection for you, which is nice. So you tell it go and it starts counting down, and you open the the, the menu and you you get. Hover over the say sub menu that you want to capture and click it gets it. Uh, then it puts it in a little window at the at the bottom of your screen that just sits there until you're ready to do something with it and you click on it and then it gives you options. You can mail it, you can upload it to the cloud and we'll give you a special link to it so you, that you could send to someone else. You can sit, just save it to your desktop. You can edit it, which is what I do a lot. I, I sometimes will take a screenshot, edit it, put some text or an arrow or something. And then drag it into, you know, Twitter or Facebook or iMessage or something along those lines and send it to somebody. Uh, so clean, it's a nice little app and you can buy it. Or if you use if you have the set app, which is Netflix for Mac apps, uh, which is you pay one uh, dollar amount per month and you get access to every app in the system as many or as few as you want. It's in there. So you can you can do that as well. So clean shot for Mac. All right, that should do it for us this time. We'll put, like I, like we've said, we'll put all the links from our discussion in our show notes. Uh, but you, you let us know what you think of the, anything we've discussed. If you've got any questions uh, on this or any technology topics, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us by going to the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia. We are on Twitter where we're at sqpn. You can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And uh, like I said, well, all the links from our discussion and our picture of the week will be in our show notes at sqpn.com. Hey, join the StarQuest fan club by texting StarQuest, one word, to 66866. So send StarQuest to 66866 and you'll become part of the StarQuest fan club. We'll have uh, special benefits for you there. It's a nice little thing. You'll get a newsletter and some other stuff like that. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Glad to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest.